will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Literally, the only podcast we promise. Yes. If you would like to be fixed, you can, of course, write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or enter your question anonymously at hauntedphonograph.com our succulent new home. Yes. Joining me today for fixing, Ms. Clary Maguire, a paranormal investigator. It's really just looking at things. Hesiod Plump, the second unit director of Terminal Flatulence, the movie. And of course, as ever, Mr. Dave Convery, a mayonnaise connoisseur. It is frequently brilliant. Very slick. Today's questioner asks, Dear Fixers, I have a delicate situation on my hands that requires your tender ministrations. I have to give a poetry reading at a funeral. This should be easy. Stand up and read something soothing and inoffensive. Sit down again and on with the service. The problem here is that I've been supplied a poem by the person running the service, and it is awful. Not only does it repeatedly change rhyme scheme, rhythm, rhyme the same word with itself, have no clear understanding of meter and so on, but large sections are just unfinished and unlikely to be completed in advance. Help me, fixers. How do I get out of reading the terrible brain dump of the person charged with sending my loved one to their eternal reward? Mr. Convery. I mean, this is this is tricky because, of course, nobody likes poetry. It is universally despised very much like the concept of death itself. And you can't get away with doing one of the more popular performing arts, like Morris dancing or Tuvan throat singing at a funeral. For some reason, we're very much bound to the idea of poetry at funerals, probably because we really need something to put the boot in psychologically for catharsis or something like that. So there's, there's that. And there's the fact that you don't want to offend the person who has written this thing, which is admirable. Uh, they are, after all, leading the service uh, and and uh, sending your loved one to their reward and, and so on. So as far as I can see, you've got various options. Lying. Lying is a really good one. We've, we've covered this a lot on the show, but you can just lie to people and often they won't even know that you're not telling them the truth. Uh, so you say, I'm sorry, we had this poem picked out. It was tremendously meaningful to my rel relative. Uh, it is, of course, I eat my peas with honey, uh, but they loved it. And, and we have to do that one. Short and sweet. Brilliant. You can get more creative if you feel like it. You could write your own poetry and then ask them to critique it, making sure that you 
really make all of the same mistakes that, that they are. Make sure that it's awful, but, but ask them for their feedback and tell them you really want to do it and hopefully drive them towards realization and permanent effective change in the service of poetry. You could tell them the truth and it might hurt. It might hurt them. It might make things awkward at a funeral. But if they keep inflicting poetry on people, let alone bad poetry, then they might just need to be stopped altogether. And finally, and I think this is the most effective option, you could form a brutal and horrifying anti-poetry task force. Uh, street campaigns, scare poets, go on TV and, and denounce poetry and, and, and burn piles of Seamus Heaney books. I just really take the fight against poetry to the streets and the people will be grateful for that. Not poets, but they're not really people as we've already covered. It's radical, but I like it. And Clary, what do you have for us? Now, in in one of my day jobs, I have quite a lot of contact with oh, what what you might call differently talented performers, performers whose work is for whatever reason unable or unlikely to reach mainstream appeal. I mean, most of the time that reason is because it is very, very shit. And the one thing I've I've really learnt learnt from this is that you cannot change their work. It does not matter what you say, it does not matter what you do, it doesn't matter how many nail guns you steal in the process you cannot successfully get them to change how they write their terrible, terrible poems. What you can change is yourself and your mind's chemical responses to outside stimulus. Now, if you are some kind of coward, you could do this through Pavlovian conditioning, you could repeatedly listen to bad poems and give yourself a little treat to a gin or uh, some kind of delicious cake or a massive wank every time you hear a bad poem. That's possibly setting you up for problems in later life, but that's your later self's problem to deal with. However, science is brilliant and science is relatively advanced and they are doing some fantastic things with brain chemistry nowadays. There's some marvellous stuff going on with magnets there's, I mean, there's the old standby of uh, electroshock therapy, although that doesn't particularly last very long, and profound brain damage isn't really the aim for that. It's more just a temporary fuck-up either side of the mood recovery. Ultimately, there's very little in the uh, standard urban or suburban flat or house that can't, in a pinch, be fashioned into an impromptu lacotomy. Really, if you're going for a reliable result, if you're going for surviving all the terrible poems the future can fling at you with a cheery smile and a misplaced erection, then the, the, the homemade lobotomy is... That is certainly innovative. But what, I'm curious, are the greatest hits 
of auto-trepanning homeware. What might you recommend? To be honest, anything from Moxo Good Grips range is probably your best bet, but a combination of barbecue skewers and garden tongs will do in a pinch. I've got an Oxo Good Grips uh, feather duster. Yeah. Are you saying that with the application of a mallet that would do the job? I think it actually would. <laughs> I'm going to find out and get back to you. If he remembers. Hesiod, what have you? I hate funerals and I avoid them wherever possible. Given the choice, I wouldn't even attend my own funeral. And that's partly because I'm deeply uncomfortable with mass displays of emotion, but I think it's mostly because I'm concerned that it will end up being like uh, the one out of A Christmas Carol, where the ghost of Christmas future shows Scrooge his own funeral and it's full of children rejoicing and singing and dancing and generally making merry about the fact that he's he's no longer with them. So with that in mind, I've got a number of solutions that may get you through this difficult and irritating period of officially mandated sadness. Okay, number one, uh, turn up and pretend to be too sad to perform. This is something that has served me well in many areas of my uh, public and private life. Uh, option two, uh, just tough it out. Mumble your way through the whole ghastly business as best you can, then get ripped to the tits on gin and tonic at the wake and complain loudly and drunkenly to anyone who will listen about what the terrible choice of poem was. That's the one that I would probably actually end up doing myself, to be honest with you. My preferred option, though, is option three, which is that you turn this dismal oration into a proper performance. Perhaps you could insist on performing your oration through the medium of interpretive dance or, or mime. They've made a demand on you. It seems only fair to make uh, an equally unreasonable demand in return. If you choose this, remember to claim as earnestly as you can that, that words alone cannot express the deep sentiments encapsulated in this terrible piece of poetry that you've been asked to read, and that as a true artist, your only choice is to move beyond the spoken word and into the medium of interpretive dance. Alternatively, uh, recognise it as a chance to show that there is no material that's, that's so awful that it cannot be enlivened by the kind of scenery-chewing excess that, that has made Nicolas Cage a household name and a byword for insanity. I mean, really, really, really go for it. Try and turn this, this bitter tragedy into equally bitter farce. Um, I honestly believe that everyone there will thank you in their heart of hearts, because... There's nothing worse than having to turn up somewhere and emit socially congruent emotion, especially when it's for the benefit of someone who isn't even around to show their appreciation. And at least, like, if you do it at a wedding, you get the gratitude of the bride or bride and bride or bride and groom or groom and groom or however they're, they're organising it. Um, but at a funeral, you don't get any of that. So... Uh, yeah, why not just go completely to town on this this terrible, terrible piece of poetry? Um, you may find, particularly when you're actually up there in front of the, the crowd, that you, you struggle with the commitment needed 
for a really grandiose and um, batshit performance. I urge you with all my heart to resist the siren song of mediocrity. Great art sometimes requires great sacrifice. And in this case, I feel that your dignity and shame are a small price to pay for what, what will be a moment that hopefully everyone in attendance will remember for a long time. I wanted to give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Uh, William McGonagall, generally regarded to be the worst poet in the English language, and his piece on the Tay Bridge disaster is often held up as the finest exemplar of his unique absence of talent. I personally think there is a certain charm to his work, but I'm a fan of Ed Wood, so what the hell do I know about anything? Um, here is, is, is an example for you to maybe take some inspiration from as I will perform for you the first two stanzas of the Tay Bridge disaster. <laughs> Beautiful railway bridge of the silvery Tay. Alas, I am very sorry to say that 90 lives have been taken away. On the last Sabbath day of 1879, which will be remembered for a very long time. Twas about seven o'clock at night, and the wind it blew with all its might, and the rain came pouring down, and the dark clouds seemed to frown, and the demon of the air seemed to say I'll blow down the bridge of Tay. For maximum effect I suggest having a few confederates in the audience uh, who will become appropriately overwhelmed with emotion at the sheer majesty of your performance. This This will protect you from accusations that you are making a mockery of what should be a sober, sad and ultimately tedious affair for all concerned. If you followed my advice to the letter, I do believe that there is a very real chance that you will not be invited to any future funerals involving anyone who attended, and that, I think, has to be counted a win. Well, wasn't that just a fixin' to die for? No? Well, we dare say you'll find out as as the weaponized neuroprograms unfold in your cortex. <laughs> Tune in next week for the antidote. And in the interim, if you're still alive, why not write to us with a question? Not where's the antidote? We've 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 covered that. But for anything else. We will fix you show at gmail.com or haunted phonograph our new home also dot com <laughs>